listener, and welcome to Categorically Insane, a show where one professional author and one professional snarker dissect, deconstruct, and recontextualize the catalog of one of the titans of a billion-dollar industry that everyone loves to hate but can't stop reading. Join us, dear listener, as we embark upon a journey through the history of Harlequin romance. We will tackle the good, the bad, the smoldering glances, and the last-minute declarations of undying love, missing no trope or plot contrivance along the way. This is Categorically Insane. Welcome to episode two, but really our sort of first episode. Episode one. That's not an introduction. Yes, our march through... Harlequin, history. I'm Jennifer, a professional educator from New England and a longtime lover of the romance genre as both a writer and a reader. I am Amber. I'm a professional author from the sunny Southwest, a mother of six children and a lover of all things romance. All righty. And today we have reached back, back into the catalog of Harlequin romance. So far back uh, to some of the first ever books published certainly in what we know as the uh category romance what do you have today for us amber i have a book called nurse tenant or also sally in the sun and i do want to make a note here just for the readers this book was written originally in what is it 1932 and these books that we're doing the order that I've put them in is not necessarily the order that Harlequin published them it's the order that they were actually published originally So a lot of these are, a lot of these are reprints. So Elizabeth Hoy originally published this book in 1932. When Harlequin published it, it was actually in the 50s or 60s that they republished it. But I, because we're doing it to contextualize history, I did it in the actual order they were written. Oh, I think that's interesting. We have certainly a lot going on in the world in 1932. Yeah, so that's a note for that one. The author is uh, Elizabeth Hoy. She is not an author I'm familiar with. However, she seems to have been a really big deal in the beginning of uh, Harlequin's history because there are multiple books by her. Yeah, we have a ton on our list. The first book that was actually published as a romance by Harlequin is uh, called The Manatee. And I honestly, I studied it a lot and I don't understand how it's a romance. I could see how now it would be one of those like weird erotica novels but as far as i can tell it's a story of a man who falls in love with the mast of his ship like the mermaid on the front of his ship that's made out of wood and as far as i can tell it never comes to life i don't understand how this is a romance but that is the actual first book that harlequin put out and said this is a romance so oh my yeah i i, I don't get it really <laughs> no nope. but chronologically this is the first book of all the books that they have put out so covers every time on the social medias and we will let you guys know what those are at the end of the episode so you'll be able to look at the covers as you're listening so nurse tenant here it's a man in a uniform uh it's a white uniform he's turned away so you can't see what his face looks like he um i think is on a ship there is another woman um in the front left it's a blonde woman she's dressed like a nurse she's got the hat on and the apron and all that stuff she has a one finger on her lip uh the whole thing kind of looks like a nancy drew novel you know she's got that like i'm alarmed finger on her lip thing do you know what i'm talking about yes and the man who's turned away from her is dancing with some chick in a red dress so my uh the heroine is described as being blonde and blue-eyed uh she does look that way on the cover 
and the hero I can't really see just like the, the back of his head. I have noticed in these early books, there's really not a lot of description of what people look like. There really yeah. isn't. But there's a really large expanse of information about what people are wearing. <laughs> like, you know, just constantly, I, I know all about their clothing or, you know, how they're wearing their hair, but a description of what they look like is really not a thing. So she is, however, described as having an impudent nose. And I don't know what that means, but that no. is how she a brief plot summary. I'm going to read you the back of the book real fast. All right. Uh, let's let's hear it. The steamship Morning Glory was setting out on a southern sunshine cruise and their nursing sister had fallen ill at the last moment. Thus, Sally found herself with the most interesting nursing assignment she could have imagined. And much to her surprise, their assistant surgeon turned out to be an old acquaintance, Dr. Jimmy Deichel. That's it. So All right. yeah, I guess that, that's accurate. She goes on a cruise and the nursing assistant is Jimmy Deichel. So <laughs> it doesn't give us any more information than that. And those things are true. So the plot here is it's very confusing this book is kind of insane so she used to be uh, basically engaged to this jimmy dykel character by the way dykel is spelled like jekyll but with a d okay i i don't know if it's dr dekel or dykel i don't know it's a very strange thing to name a doctor because it really is just jekyll with a d and uh he she broke up with him because his mom told her that she would destroy his life and he wouldn't be able to be a doctor because they'd be too poor and yada, yada, yada. So she broke up with him, but didn't tell him because she didn't want him to be mad at his mom or something. I don't know. It's a little hard to follow. So when she gets on the boat, she's shocked to see him. And I mean, she's, she's talking about how she still loves him. And then he's there, of course. And then he's engaged to some other chick. And then she gets engaged to some other guy. And then these people that she get, they got engaged who used to be engaged to each other. It's madness. <laughs> but uh, then, you know, all these people keep breaking up with other people. There's six engagements at the, at the very least in this novel. Wow. That's very different from now. Yeah, among the, and that's one of the things that I was curious about is that I think people, I really truly think people used to get engaged just like out of nowhere. Yes, I, I, mean, I, I would agree because that was a theme like, in mine as well. It's, it's just bizarre. They know each other for like three weeks and they're like, oh, you're the one. And no wonder people were so unhappy <laughs> in marriages half the time. I mean, that's a real crapshoot right there. Yeah. Oh, here's here's a description of her. Okay, so floating nut brown veil I'm, I'm guessing that's supposed to be her hair yes i i would hope the smile attribute not only to the size of the tip of what i don't know her hair maybe but to sally's rose bloom cheeks and impudent nose to the clear depths of her exceedingly pretty dark blue eyes sally was the kind of nurse who shamed her patients out of their illness by the sheer exuberance of her own attractive good health felt like the weirdest ableist description of like making people better that <laughs> yeah that is just crazy. I was like, wow, okay. All <laughs> you need people. is a pretty girl with apparently an <laughs> impudent nose. Healthy. Who looks real healthy and that will, yeah. uh, that will certainly uh, guilt you into to being, to getting better. They're going everywhere. They're just, this cruise is a long cruise. It's months long. As I said, the lady was sick. She wasn't able to, to go on. So they, they found Sally to do it. So it looks like they're going to Gibraltar, Majorca, Barcelona. Villa Fronte, I don't even know where that is. Corsica, Naples, Rhodes, Cyprus, Palestine, Beirut, Haifa? Haifa? I don't know where that is either. Alexandra, Algiers, Tangier, and it says, and others. So this is a big trip. Yeah. Uh, I assume it's going to take several months, so. 
that gives them lots of times to, you know, engage themselves to multiple people. Right. So when she's on the ship, uh, they tell her she's not allowed to go out before she leaves. She's not allowed to like go out of her cabin or anything or off the boat unless uh, she, the matron says um, that she can leave the boat if she's invited by some lonely elderly lady or a mother with children who might be glad of your assistance. But I leave it to you. You must use the strictest possible discretion. So I did not realize that nurses were not allowed to, you know, go out and socialize or whatever. It kind of reminds me of school teachers in the 1800s. Yes. Where they weren't allowed to have, you know, boyfriends or whatever. So she says that (laughs) this is just a typo, but it really amused me. At some point it says she wished frantically. And what it really says is she washed frantically. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I kind of like she washed frantically because it's like very 2020 and 2021. So yep. It's a very uh, COVID moment in this novel. Yes. <laughs> very much so. So let's see. She gets on the boat. This is where I said she's the worst. So she's like really upset that she has to like the only time she's allowed to be out is when she's like sitting with the pa- like patients and stuff at dinner. Yeah. She says, supposing this turned out to be the most awful failure a cruising nurse had ever been, or she turned out to be the most awful failure a cruising nurse had ever been. She washed frantically that she were back in some nice operating theater where the worst thing that had ever happened at tables was that people died on them. (laughs) So so she doesn't want to go to the table and sit with boring people. Um, It'd be much better if people were dying on these tables (laughs) instead of her eating at them. So yeah, she's the worst. Oh God, that's awful. <laughs> I can just I mean, imagine them it's funny like, in a shocking way but I don't think it's supposed to be shocking so. I, I could just imagine them like sitting down after at like the exit interview like Sally you know did you like working for you know Sunshine Cruise Limited I mean it was fine you know um I wish like more people had died. More at people had died at dinner because, like, <laughs> Mr. McGrady told me about his great grandson losing his first tooth like eight times. Yeah, you know, if someone had just killed over, it would have been so much more entertaining. Yeah. I mean, like, it was so much better when I was doing emergency appendectomies in this the 1930s. Yes, she's looking for entertainment. So, um, of course, she's an orphan because, come on. Uh, if yeah, duh, she can't have parents. Uh, she can't have any connections because if she does, she won't fall in love with the first person she meets. Right. Let's see. She's uh, she's talking about in her head how she's in love with some dude named Jimmy who's going to be a doctor. I told you about this. And she broke up with him because of his mom. Surprising no one. The assistant surgeon on the boat is Jimmy, even though she was just thinking about him right before she walks in and sees him. Yes. So Jimmy's showing her around. She describes him as having a shapely, handsome head. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny to me. I don't know what that looks like. No, and I kind of don't want to know. I, I don't know because I didn't realize there were standards on, on uh, you know, how heads should look at that time period that made them shapely and, you know, attractive. Handsome. That was the word. I don't know if this is some, like, weird phrenology thing or, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, honestly, yeah, in the head. 1930s, it very easily could have been. And, yeah, yes, for sure. Phrenology was definitely a thing, so... We know he doesn't have a low forehead and a lumpy uh, thing going on. So oh, that's kind of horrifying. He's not uh, he's not criminally insane, apparently. Right. So Ooh. he's a doctor on the ship um, because he's writing this book. 
about uh, heart surgery. He's a heart surgeon or whatever. So he's writing this book and taking a break to go on this cruise. So she cries herself to sleep on the first night because Jimmy hates her. And how can she go on a boat with Jimmy and blah, 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 blah. She is just very upset about Jimmy existing. I have no idea what Jimmy looks like uh, because she doesn't say, but she does talk a lot about his eyebrows. So there's no less than six mention of his eyebrows on six pages. There's a lot going on with this man's eyebrows. So, okay. He now is on the boat with this woman named Dulce or Dulce. What do you think that is? D-U-L-C-I-E. I would say Dulce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dulce Manners is her name. And she is the girl that he's secretly engaged to, as I mentioned earlier. Um, she is She is described as being most exquisitely young. Uh, is that disgusting or what? <laughs> uh, that's, that's horrifying. On my note, I wrote barf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yep. She is clearly the romantic rival. I don't know how old she is, but that is just really gross. Certainly, I hope she was at least legal for the time period. <laughs> this is very disturbing. I don't like that at all. So Dulcie is talking to her. Uh, and says, I think your uniform is the cutest thing, Dulcie went on. But then I'm crazy about everything to do with hospitals and medicine generally. One of these days, I'm going to ask you so many questions about your work, you'll wish you'd never been born. <laughs> Doesn't that sound oddly threatening? <laughs> I, so I know that this is a bit of a tangent, Amber, but we've talked about this before off of record. And I, this is when I really wonder how many of these authors were secretly just like, men in some sort of typewriter <laughs> sweatshop because like have you ever spoken to another woman yeah ever? they're gonna start talking about her gams pretty soon i, I just feels very much like it was written by a pulp novelist i i, I just i feel like i i have a hard time believing like unless this is like some woman that was like literally locked in a tower for her entire life. I just have a hard time believing that That's anyone how she wrote so many books in such a short period of time. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, you know, we don't talk like this to each other. Right. So that is just a, the most oddly threatening uh, compliment I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. So Betty or uh, not Betty, uh, Sally is thinking all the same, right? She's thinking to uh, herself that she's happy to be miserable being near Jimmy, which, okay. Uh, oh. Maybe I remember feeling that way when I was like 12 or something. <laughs> it's right. very strange. It's very strange for an adult woman to be uh, experiencing that. Yes. She calls, she calls Jimmy high strung and sensitive, which is interesting for that time period. Yep. Uh, what I would expect was certainly more masculine, you know, words used high strung and sensitive sounds like something you'd say about a woman yeah so that did kind of surprise me it also uh, makes me think that he's um not a very nice person he he's high strung for sure <laughs> these people are very strange this is a very strange novel dulcie and jimmy are secretly engaged which i was talking about earlier she's not allowed to tell her, her parents are also on this cruise dulcie's parents okay um, so this the way Dulcie is described makes me feel like Sally is also hot for Dulcie. <laughs> you know, of course, that's never explored. But since I'm assuming this is from Dulcie's POV. Yeah. She says, she says Sally laughed, laughingly agreed with the sparkling drink in her hand and caught the smiling glance of young Dulcie. 
who again is young. Dulcie patted the couch beside her invitingly with crimson tipped fingers. Do come sit by me and get acquainted, she said in a husky, attractive voice. Oh, wow. Doesn't it sound like Sally wants to get that? Yeah. She says that she'll keep their secret and Jimmy uh, seems to hate her even more for no reason because she says she'll uh, keep their secret. Yeah. Don't know what this guy's deal is. So Dulcie, this is her her description here of uh, men. Dulcie laughed. It's all right, she murmured, forcing herself to renewed brightness of manner. All all 100% men are fools when it comes to knowing anything about women. Haven't you discovered that? The real man, the he-man, is always clumsy and hurtful and a bit cruel, which actually I can't disagree with. That's what makes him so adorable, she says, which I don't agree with. <laughs> Preserve me from the type of male who understands women. They're the world's bores. I... What? <laughs> I'll read that again. She says, all 100% of men are fools when it comes to knowing anything about women. Haven't you discovered that? The real man, the he-man, is always clumsy and hurtful and a little bit cruel. So I was like, yeah, I relate to this. You know, I could see how at that time period, men probably were a little bit cruel. Then she says, that's what makes him so adorable. Preserve me from the type of male who understands women. They're the world's bores. I mean... Now that's something to explore about what people really thought about about men at this time period and about women and how they relate to each other. I don't yes, know if this and, is valid. And about not, trying to understand each other. For real. Like, and then it's adorable. It's like, have you ever seen Carousel? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like that. Oh, how adorable that he's cruel and, and mean. And, right. you know, that's not, that's not adorable. <laughs> well, I think that, and, and this is something else I think we could dive into and, and probably have a whole separate podcast about it, right? Like, uh, the whole idea of this genre, which is sold to women, yeah, as being like woman centric and centric and and sells and the itself too, right, and sells itself as being centered on a uniquely female perspective and female experience. Because that's what makes me wonder if that really was the experience of the time period. Well, And that's where I, some of these early books, I have a little bit of difficulty because I don't have a personal context and I don't know if this stuff is reality or just this woman is insane. I really don't know. Well, I just find it interesting that they, even the books that are sort of marketed toward women push and support this ideal that is like just sort of reinforces this very rigid gender experience and this very rigid expectation of what good relationships are. You know, the idea that like, if a man tries to understand you, he's boring and like yeah. not worth your time. Yeah. And he's um, only adorable if he's just horrible to you. <laughs> right. And I think that like, that's interesting. Which kind of explains why we get so many you little fools or whatever in the, uh, pantheon yes. of uh yes. novels absolutely uh, when i wrote that part when i marked that part my note was good lord mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that is just my goodness <laughs> that is a little mind-blowing so he is doing a experimental injection on this woman who's on the boat and has heart problems okay. he's doing this He's doing this for himself. He's not part of some experiment. There's nobody monitoring this. Apparently ethics either didn't exist in 1932 or ethics don't exist at sea. I'm really not sure. Well, he's just injecting some old lady with something. Well, hold on a second. It is 1932, Amber. Maybe put a pin in medical ethics. (laughs) Yeah, that, that could possibly not be a thing. 
So, I mean, you know, we know how things went in World War II and how our own government could be sometimes back then. Right. So it's possible that really is just not a thing. I don't know, but it's really alarming that he's just injecting some rando old lady with stuff on a boat. Yeah. So they're just walking around at some point on the boat and he just shouts that he wishes she's not on the boat. Just, that's it. No, no mention of what, you know, she might think about this. No, he doesn't say anything else. He just, he says the exact quote here. He says, I wish to God, he said suddenly passionately that you were anywhere else in the world, but on this ship. And then just nothing. That's the end. <laughs> Starts talking about how the ship is cruising along. That's just the whole thing. She never talks about how she feels about it. He never follows that up with any information about why he feels that way. It is very bizarre. So she overhears uh, Jimmy and Dulcie loving up on one another, talking about how how much they love each other. She's like crazy jealous. Uh, but she decides as long as Jimmy's happy, she's happy for him, which is pretty traditional. Yep. So Dulcie is just the worst. I know I keep saying everybody is the worst, but she says, and this is a quote, Gibraltar is ugly and stupid. Spaniards are dirty and unromantic. This is how she feels about the places she's going. Oh. Not a fan of Dulcie. So Dulcie has, Dulcie has this friend named Derek, who is also on the boat with his parents. She used to be engaged to Derek. Now she's not anymore. As a side note, Derek is called Derry, and I hate it. Ew. I, I do not like that at all. So now we got Sally, Jimmy, Dulcie, Derry. Everybody has a Y sound in the end in, in of their name. Yes. Sally defends Jimmy to Dulcie's mom, who doesn't like their flirtation, is what she calls it, because she doesn't know about the engagement and she thinks he's poor. Ah. Um, they have known each other for like three weeks. I mean, you couldn't like sleep with people, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, three weeks, I think, <clears throat> for anyone in any community is is quick. Yeah, it it really is. Unless you're like, Belonging to a group of people who are not going to divorce for any reason. Like, uh, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch people. Yeah. You know, Amish or whatever. Then yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. Or back in the 50s. I mean, that really just wasn't a thing you did. Right. I, I mean, some, my grandmother divorced her, my grandfather, but it was just very uncommon. Yeah. I mean, and I think, um, I think that's, one of the ways that these books get around that is by having broken engagements. So many broken engagements. Yes. And that's their way, I think, of of having people who have had relationships before but have not stepped outside the bonds of a very, very narrow traditional set of values. Because I'm on page 45 here and like they have, there have been three engagements already. Yeah. Dulcie and Derek, Sally and jimmy and jimmy and dulcie so you know uh they get off they all go all the four of these young people go off to uh explore she gets lost she almost falls off the alps uh, of course jimmy saves her and he says dramatically that he thought he lost her forever but uh, again the possible emotional ramifications of this event are never discussed even in no. her head she has like no feelings about like almost falling off or that he says he thought he lost her forever. She doesn't seem to have feelings about that. Yeah. Um, she's finally thinking about it like many pages later and tells herself that people behave oddly in, in uh, you know, emergencies. So <laughs> that's her uh, excuse for, for his saying that. So they're talking about the patient that he's doing tests on. Yeah. And, and it's an elderly woman who is 
you know, her husband is dead. All of her children have died. Um, so she's by herself and she kind of just wants to die. And uh, she says, uh, Sally says, I don't think one can say she is altogether wrong. Sally was saying quietly. Can you imagine a person of her age and experience being finished with life? Frankly, I can't, he says. Well, I can, Sally rather surprisingly asserted. I don't know why it's surprising. I guess she's speaking up. If you'd loved someone for years, sharing every act and thought, and then that loved one died, mightn't you easily want to die too? A curious expression came over the young man's face. I can imagine life being pretty deadly and awful in such circumstances, he said, the words oddly shaken in his throat. I can imagine life being a kind of cold gray hell, but I can't imagine deliberately wanting to die. Women are different, Sally said. The doctor shrugged impatiently. Women are the very devil, he said angrily. I don't understand them and I never shall. One offers them a perfectly logical and rational treatment and they queer one's pitch by the introduction of some entirely irrational and logical piece of emotional contrariness. I've seen it time and time again. There is no rule that you cannot apply to their conduct or their standards, either in sickness or in health. I don't agree at all, Sally said stoutly. Women I always find are extremely logical. There is an invariably a good reason for the things they do if you care to probe it. Ah. Jimmy Sar Jimmy's sardonic eyebrows went up. So there's his eyebrows again. A question yes. mark, a question mark of cynicism on his pale and much too intense countenance. Really, he drawled with a flick of scorn in his voice. Do you mean to tell me, for instance, that some very extraordinary that some of the very extraordinary things you yourself have done, to my knowledge, have been backed up by these excellent logical reasons? So she says she wants to remain impersonal in their conversations. The doctor shrugged again, as you will, he said, with a rather too careful and indifference. All I want to say about our patient, I think has been said. I should be glad if you will use your influence to turn her mind away from the very morbid trend. That is all. I really am uncomfortable with that entire conversation for a multitude of reasons. You know, I'm uncomfortable with the uh, idea that that sane people don't ever just feel tired of being alive. Yeah. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with the way that they talk about each other <laughs> and the way they talk about women and men. Just the whole thing. I'm very uncomfortable with that conversation. Have you seen My Fair Lady? I have. I actually it, really like My Fair Lady. <laughs> right, but it just reminds me of that, like, huh, huh, how women have, they have thoughts and feelings. Who knew? Uh, like, <laughs> it's that same idea of, like, you know, sometimes you actually have to ask them to tell you what they're how thinking they feel? and feeling. Yeah, I know, I know. It's bizarre, but... Like, uh... And, and that, you know, he kind of has the implication also that men just never want to die. Right. Like men are just never done. I mean, she even is the one who says women are different. Like sometimes women are just done and men just never are. I don't know. Or, I mean, I thing is, it's, it's just so interesting because like, I, you get this like subtle glimpse of what life was like, right? Like back. Which is terrifying. It is, but it's also like, you can tell that like there there are some things that clearly they're thinking about right that are that are deep and meaningful and have conflict in them but because these are books that like can't have real stakes or real conflict they're yeah, like exactly. oh we're just gonna drop this here and run away from it and you know yeah. like we're going to sort of skim over and suggest this is a thing that exists, but we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, so. we are not touching that with a 10-foot pole, America. Like, and I do notice that there's, you know, a, certainly a stronger emphasis on conflict as books go on. Yes. But uh, yeah, they're not willing to touch anything that might have any depth of emotion, even romantically. When there right. are like opportunities to talk about, you know, their feelings about anything, even to themselves, they just don't. Well, I, I think that part of it is, and, and we've talked about this also, 
I think that part of it is is that in the beginning, I, I mean, obviously nowadays um, with the internet and whatnot, you can find romance of all different heat levels, you know? Yeah. But I think like back these old, I mean, it is not really until I think into the 80s that you even have people expressing any sexual desire at all yes any any (laughs) level of that kind of feeling so all of this because I do remember in the 70s you'd have these historical novels where uh, someone had to be basically raped before they could admit that they were enjoying what was going on which is really problematic well right like it's it's the idea of like women's sexual agency was like not a thing and I think that sometimes a lot of glowering looks and like rudeness and gruffness is the sort of language of desire. Like we're supposed to understand that that would be the overtone that societally we would understand. Right. If we were, if we were in that time period. Right. Like it is very like um, missing. Yeah. It's very, again, like I go back to like my fair lady or, um, yeah like Rhett Butler or or any of that where it's like and at the end of My Fair Lady it's very clear that he loves her that's what he's saying when he says get me my slippers but that's not what he says and you know that's the impression that we're supposed to get from the end of that movie so yeah yeah and and I think like if we had grown up in a society or in a world where you couldn't openly express desire or interest I think that we might find that we would understand it better, but I still don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. And there's several of these books that I've read that we are not talking about yet where I feel like I've just missed something where I can feel there's definitely a context that I don't have. Yes. But I think it does give us reason to look deeper on what might've been the societal situation at the time, not just about romance, but about a lot of things, some of the future books. Where I'm like, yes. I don't quite understand what's happening right now. Anyway, Dulcie sees uh, Jimmy coming out of her room. Um, she said, so Sally says to Dulcie that they should come in and talk about it, which is amazingly mature. I was actually really surprised about that because Dulcie seems very upset and probably thinks they were like canoodling or whatever, but she tells her to come and talk to her about it. So Dulcie thinks that Jimmy is in love with Sally because he comes to life when she is around. She makes Sally promise that she'll give Dulcie a chance she says she's the one who proposed to Jimmy. Dulcie proposed to Jimmy, not the other way. Okay. I have a little note here where I wrote, oh no. So I don't know what this is going on. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry. This is just the worst. And as you know, I, don't, I know that reader or listeners rather not readers will not know this, but I have multiple children from China. And so she's wearing this costume and she says, for now, Sally Tennant was gone. And in her place stood a slit eyed, mysterious Indo-Chinese. God, a glamorous being from whom's robes faint Eastern perfumes floated. <laughs> this is just crazy. That is oh! crazy. racist. A slit eyed Indo-Chinese princess. I just wrote, oh no, on my notes. That like um, makes me nauseous, Amber. It, it was awful. I just was like, and, and there's another part where they're just very abjectly racist. And I just mentioned that they're being abjectly racist without reading it. But that one, I just, they're at this party and he dances with her and he knows it's her, even though she's in this costume. Uh, he essentially says he loved her, but he couldn't trust her anymore. And then she, he says that he'd feel better if he knew why she dumped him, which is valid. Mm-hmm. She says she feels bad for Dulcie and, you know, said that she would give her a chance. So she tells him that she only wanted to flirt with him and he took it too seriously. 
she's real dumb and super rude to Jimmy during this conversation. She says she can't go halfway in breaking up with him for his own good. I don't quite, to herself, she says that. So now she's saying she can't get back together with him because she already broke up with him and she can't go halfway on breaking up with him. And somehow this is for his own good. I don't quite understand that. No, I don't either. So there are three pages, which I'm not going to read, of abject prejudice against Indian people. They have a whole bunch of Indian people working in the um, bottom of the ship. It's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> so I'm not reading it. It's, it's over the top bad. It's just blew my mind. And if it had been one or two sentences, maybe I would have read it. But it's three pages talking about really how savage and horrible Indian people are and just a mess. Um, and how they're the only ones who can work in the bottom of the boat because they're so used to being hot anyway. And they're animals and just it's just awful. That is horrifying. She she goes off the boat alone. Jimmy warns her that it's dangerous. She freaks out because she sees a black guy, literally. This description of where she freaks out because she sees a black guy. Okay, but to Sally, his rolling eyes and gross dark countenance were utterly terrifying. Um, Just some guy walking around. He just happens to be black. Yeah. It's just, that's just, she is just awful. And I don't know if she's especially awful, if this is just like how everybody felt, if it was like casual discussion and like, I don't know, it just blew my mind. And it's just mentioned so casually too. It's not like, you know, she's trying to defend herself feeling that, I don't know. It just, it was a lot. So uh, she runs into Derek in a bar or dairy, if you will. Um, and he tells her he's leaving the ship because he's in love with her. To which when I was actually reading it, I said, what? <laughs> I literally had no idea that he was in love with Sally. This is, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. It just came out of nowhere. So he says that his love for her is the most serious thing that has ever happened to him. Um, She seems as confused as I am, frankly. (laughs) She obviously was not expecting it either. Derek is a gem. He says, most girls are so boring that the sooner you can shut their mouths with a kiss, the more bearable they are. So he's a gem. And then he says, which I I know he doesn't mean it in an inappropriate way because it was 1932, but I just can't help but take it that way. He says, use me any way that you want. I mean, okay. (laughs) I'm sure he's not speaking sexually, but certainly that's what it sounds like to me. So now she thinks she's hot for Derek, even though she says they're only friends. Um, He just told her to go get dressed like a good girl, which is just lovely. Gross. So she's making out with Derek. Now she thinks she's in love with him. And I said, okay. (laughs) Uh, Now she says she forgets him when he's not around. So she thinks she's in love with him. Then he leaves the room. Then she forgot that he was even there. So so she tells the old woman that Jimmy's doing experiments on. That's all about Jimmy and how his mom said that, you know, getting married would destroy his spirit or whatever. The old lady is clearly going to leave all of her money to Sally so that she can marry Jimmy. It doesn't say it, but you can just tell. Yeah, that's what they're setting up. So Derek has asked her to marry him. She says no, because lust and love are not the same. She actually says that, which I found surprising. Yeah. That she acknowledged lust even existed. I mean, I don't know that she uses the word lust, but that's certainly what she says in in so many words. Then she changes her mind because she sees Jimmy and Dulcie holding hands and and rapturously staring at one another on another part of the boat. So she says yes. So then Sally accidentally gets stabbed by one of the Indian guys, uh, maybe for being so racist. I don't know. It's really an accident, but I feel like she deserved to be stabbed. Now they're both engaged to other people and telling each other that they're still in love with each other because she got stabbed. She says they're insane for admitting to being in love with each other. I agree with her. Yes. 
Derek's mom is really happy for them, for she and Derek. Derek says to marry him so that he can take care of her the way he wants to. And I'm not sure what that means either. I, I don't know if he means monetarily, but he really says that so I can take care of you the way I want to. What do you think that means? Um, I imagine it sort of is that trope, right? Of like, I'm going to whisk you away and like take care of everything because, you know... So, okay, he just doesn't want her to worry her pretty little head. Yeah. I was wondering. Derek's parents are going nuts over her because they think she's sensible and he's crazy. So that's some high praise. The rents tell Dulcie and Jimmy. um, He's clearly heartbroken. Jimmy is. Uh, Jimmy just left the bar right in the middle of a toast, which is kind of rude. Dulcie thinks it's funny and tells everyone Jimmy's in love with Sally right there in the middle of the toast. Cool. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a delight. And Derek calls Dulcie a liar. And then later on, she says that she felt dumb with misery. That's a quote. And I just laughed really hard when I read it. Because she's also dumb dumb. with being dumb. (laughs) I'm like, you're dumb with misery and so many other things. (laughs) Yeah. And also just dumb. Yeah, she's just dumb. Everyone's mad at everyone. So that's where we are in the book. Uh, Dulcie isn't going to marry Jimmy because her mother would cut them off. So when she saw them holding hands and uh, looking lovingly at one another and agreed to marry Derek, they were actually breaking up. Ah! So now she wants to break up with Derek. I cannot keep up with uh, all the people in this book (laughs) they're engaged to and broken up with. It's madness. This is like, I love how they were like, listen check it i'm gonna write a horny cruise book (laughs) that is literally like but no one is going to know that it's a horny cruise book yeah there's like no horny in this horny (laughs) like this is very obviously a book about a whole bunch of people who work in the cruise ship industry having affairs with one another which like listen they no would harm, no foul. If it was, uh, you know, it was a, a newer book, but at the time, yeah, not so much. I cannot keep track of who these people are with, though, and it does seem like, you know, where you have like an almost incestuous group of people working together, and they just yes. keep trading off with each other. So she tells Jimmy that she really does love him, and he just dismisses her, which I would too, because how could he even keep up? So she's going into town to break up with Derek, and they're in a freaking car accident. This book is insane, is what I wrote. The car flips. She's blaming, she's blaming the car accident on herself because she wanted to go ashore. Uh, Derek's unconscious. Oh my nurse, God. They got a new nurse so that uh, when Sally got stabbed, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It feels <laughs> like it was years ago. <laughs> yes. She got stabbed and it was like mentioned one time. It was a very long time and it relieves only like four days. But the nurse says Dulcie is all over uh, the recuperating uh, Derek. Um, Derek says he can't break up with Sally to Dulcie because, you know, it's rude or whatever. <laughs> so uh, they have a fight. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, Dulcie and Derek had a fight. That's why they broke up. They were engaged before. Oh, my um, God. So the old lady dies. Uh, Jimmy comes in with an article about Derek and Dulcie getting married. So he just proposes to her and asks her to uh, help him with his practice. That's that's how he proposes. He asks if she'll help him with his practice forever. That's that's quite a proposal. Yeah. That's some deep romance right there. So she says, I wouldn't want anything more than to work for you all day, every day. <laughs> 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 to which I wrote, oi. <laughs> yeah. 
He says uh, he should have punched the dude that she kissed the first time because she kissed some guy to break up with him. But it's oh. only mentioned one time, so I never mentioned that. Sorry. So oh he, said, he says he should have. I have a headache already from these I mean, people. Seriously, is madness. So he says he should have punched the dude that she kissed the first time when she broke up with him. And then he says maybe he also should have punched her in the face. All right. He's a charmer. I was almost on his side for like eight seconds. And then they get all the money and that is the end. Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, I feel like there's like a lot of tropes that we see in there. Like I definitely see, um, you know, former flames getting back together. Yeah, second Always, chance. Uh, second chance, love a second chance. Uh, definitely some uh, people in a confined area having to deal with each other. I usually uh, like a second chance romance as well. And I also like a confined area book, but this book I do not like. No, I mean, I think a cruise ship, I mean, it's very similar to like a snowstorm at a yeah, ski resort. Sure. Or... Which I love. And I feel like I could have loved this book if it had been done differently, but everyone yes. is so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, my notes for mine are not quite as extensive. Um, well, some books aren't going to be, though. Yeah. I, I, I actually have to say, so I, I saw some, I think we have some things that are very much in common between both of our books. Definitely, this is also, in a weird way a book with a ton of broken engagements. Um, ah. Run Away From Love by Jean S. McLeod. And um, she is so prolific. She has so, so many books. I, and well, I really, yes, I, I really want to know more about these authors. And I think I am going to uh, take some time and do a deep dive on them because- We should I, probably do that every time we have an author, just, you know, for future reference. Yes. Even though a lot of them will be repeats, but. Well, I also, I wonder, um, I imagine a lot of these are pen names and I would be fascinated oh, sure. to know what I could find out about the actual writing. So I will say on the whole, I expected to hate this book. I do not like the nurse books. It, it, the, it just doesn't really speak to me. Got? Pardon me? Is that a nurse book you've got? It is. Runaway from Love is is a nurse book. It was originally entitled Nurse Companion. Um, okay. To kind of start off, because I really want our listeners to know the prejudice that I walked into this with. I want to own it. I expected this to be the typical nurse falls in love with the doctor. And then, of course, Which seems quits, to be all of them. Right. And then, of course, quits her job because, you know, she like looked at a man so now she's <laughs> unclean <Capable of> working <laughs> yeah so she clearly you know cannot men do not have to take responsibility for what they do when they're blinded by lust but women cannot be out of the house once they're no longer a virgin because heaven sure, knows yes. what might happen they might, they might sleep with everyone <laughs> right right they might actually gasp enjoy sex once in a while oh no it is that dichotomy that you even see in these early books of like the frigid wife and the passionate secretary and like uh, sure yes it is that sort of what they call the madonna horror complex yeah, the, madonna the, horror complex, the idea yeah. that um you need a with, separate madonna and a separate horror right and and the fact <laughs> that women are supposed to be both at the same time dependent <laughs> upon the whim of a man and so I was kind of expecting a lot of that 
in this book and there is some it is definitely a product of its time but I, I there were some things in it that i was actually impressed with um that i that i chose to focus on because i think there's an awful lot to be critical of but there are some things in these early books i think before the tropes and the category genre expectations were really solidified yeah i do think you had times where there was an attempt at some themes that would have been considered progressive uh so that i think is how i'm going to focus on talking about this particular book but um just as an aside so that people know harlequin actually has such a specific list of what has to be in a book i don't know if you know this or not but it tells you like at what percentage of the book you need to have kissing uh-huh. And what percentage of the book you need to have sex, like by 60% or something like that. And if you write for their, you know, intrigue lines or whatever, it tells you how much the book has to be romance and what percent is meant to be intrigue. And by this point in the book, there has to be an I love you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, obviously when we really get into that formula, when we really see that formula really cemented, there's a lot of interesting things we can talk about. But there is something very endearing about this very beginning stage where it's kind of like the Wild West, you know? Like, yeah, it's just anything, anything that shows up. Right. And and so um, we have Runaway from Love. Uh, the original Harlequin title was Nurse Companion. I did get a reprint. Um, and what year was it originally printed? So it was first published... Oh, no, wait, that was a different book. This doesn't have a publishing date inside the book, which is really irritating. Yeah, 1939. So it's quite early. Um, I, I do have, I have a reprint in front of me, which is only number 599. So it is, it is quite early. Um, yeah. So we look at our cover and our cover is like a pretty good representation of the book. The only thing is, is that, the and, I, and I'm going to share the picture on the socials because the heroine looks so unbelievably goofy in the picture <laughs> that I like kind of can't. I like don't know how. Did you, did you share it? I sent it to you in our, in our, in our thread oh, in that chat. we have. Oh, okay. 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 Hang on. Let me find it. Oh my. Right? <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to try, listener, to describe this. Like, um, oh it is gosh. a very typical, like, it is, is very typical of the covers of the you know, time period. It really also looks goofy though. It's not just, it's, well, it's bad. Yeah. I mean. She really does look goofy though. My goodness. She first of all has the haircut of the mom from the Brady Bunch. She absolutely does. So she's rocking this like Peter Pan haircut situation in what looks like a green high neck sweater. So this is clearly a reprint from the 60s. Absolutely. But like, if you look at the way that her head is positioned. (laughs) She's like an owl. (laughs) But I have absolutely no idea what like it's not like a neck it's not like a shoulder she's I actually she's actually a giraffe like below like that it picture. looks like she is some sort of lizard creature um i mean it's there's 
because she doesn't she doesn't have. have shoulders she does not yeah. have shoulders it's just like a really long neck <laughs> i i mean i will say anatomically oh, i so have sorry. questions i have yeah. questions so yeah, this, uh, clearly yeah. they did a face picture and then filled in a background this is pretty much how they're described again these early books there aren't an awful lot of physical descriptions that guy um, looks like a massive douchebag um i i don't actually hate him in this book um i oh, found no, it's him just, you know the expression that he's making in his pink butterfly colored yes. shirt and yes white pants and um, yeah so this book it starts with her being engaged her name is elsa milnorth and she is in scotland um, okay which i i have a i have a soft spot for a lot of these early books they are definitely um you know they are all, they're very international i love the sort of like fancy europe sure um, yeah and i love scotland so so she is a nurse in scotland and she is engaged to conrad have you shown your kids the original animated lion king um i don't know okay probably at some point i mean my kids are not young anymore so have you seen it i i have yeah so you know how the scene right before mufasa dies where baby simba's like so dad we're gonna be best friends forever right and mufasa's like we totally are and And then you know he's gonna die yeah right (laughs) Nothing could ever possibly happen ever that would ever make us not best. And he's mm-hmm. like, totally a hundred percent. And like, literally the next page of the script, he dies. Yes. So this, the first two pages of this book are basically a neon sign that it's about to get real. Um, <laughs> page one, they describe her and the birds. So she's a cop who's about to retire and has a picture of his family underneath his. Uh... Yes, I mean basically, <laughs> he's like, "I'll just do one more job. I'm sure yeah, it'll be exactly. fine." <laughs> Elsa Milnorth, she leaves the hospital and she's like, "Is he a doctor?" Su- yes. Okay. The sun is pouring the leafy branches of the trees in the park. It was a warm June day and the birds were chirping in the bushes behind the high iron railings. A happy threnody, don't know what that is, that had a bird probably. It's echo in her heart. She was happy, so happy that she wanted to run along the sunny side of the street away from the gray shadow of the hospital buildings where she had been a nurse for the past three years to her destination. The sunny side of the street. Yes, that was it. She was going to walk there all through life. And it (laughs) kind of continues. We learn about her engagement to Conrad. And Can Conrad, I just say that I have never been that happy? <laughs> no. And I've I also think, pale. I've been happy before. <laughs> Not that happy. Right. Like, I'm pale. Um, Can't be on the sunny side of the street. Or no, me either. I'm a redhead, covered in freckles. Not a good idea. So she goes to the place where her fiancé is setting up his uh, private practice. And it is so obvious that she is about to stop being engaged. <laughs> There's this fancy car outside and she's like, oh, he, he's, he's talking to his first patient. Oh, isn't this great? She goes in and like, people are like confused that she's there. And I'm like, oh girl, girl, run away while you can. <laughs> 
and she's like, oh, I'll help you with this and I'll help you with that. And I, and she goes to kiss him and he's very like, uh, uh, and you could just tell. It's there like a neon sign that says we were room? about to break up. Um, is the woman in the room with him? No, no. Okay. He basically says, I, he, and it's like the craziest breakup ever. <laughs> I have had this, I have had this breakup. She basically is like, you know, he's like, listen, this has been really hard for me financially. It's taken a lot of money. It's going to be a struggle for a long time. And he says, all my life, I've had to wait for what I've got. And when the time came to get it, the waiting had killed any satisfaction I might've gotten out of it. That's why I've changed my mind about starting like this. He waved his hand contemptuously toward the scattered contents of the new surgery. I've decided to give up on the idea I've known for some time that things would come to this. I've told you before that I'm not made of the stuff that struggles to the top to carve a name for himself by sheer ability and determination. I haven't the ability nor the determination. And the only other solution to the problem is money. He turned slowly and came back to his desk facing her. Elsa, the beginning and the end of it is that I must marry for money. So he basically is like, I'm a lazy piece of garbage. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm yes. going to marry a rich woman deuces. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like we are on the you know, fourth say, though, page no, of this book. This man is honest with himself and with her. So, I mean, that's something. Well, that's actually like what I found to be very interesting is that I, I and I have to remember that this is the 30s, right? And she basically is like, okay, I'm out. Uh, she gives him back the ring and she sort of steals herself and he's like let me walk you to your hot wherever you're staying blah 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 and she's like no i'm out and then she basically obviously is very distracted she's stunned uh for a woman in that time period this is traumatic right like oh for sure yeah her, you know i think that went away it'd be traumatic to us just not in the same way well i mean i think for her it's like this was her plan for life right and i think her access to a public life is pretty much now very up in the air so (laughs) she basically walks into traffic oh no (laughs) yep oh my the she's obviously very upset and the hero um is the one who stops right in front of her and is he not a doctor? No, he is not a doctor. Um, oh, wow. And she, he actually starts off like yelling at her. He's like, what the devil do you mean by jaywalking all over the road? And he stops realizing that she's upset. And he actually apologizes to her oh, and wow. says like, let me, but then he's like, let me give you a ride where you're going. You're obviously very upset. And she wants to go to the park. And it's it's interesting because this reminds me very much of the queen herself nora roberts Uh, in that there is so much head hopping i can't with nora roberts for that very reason yeah i mean it i found myself having to reread sections but i will say what i found interesting about this is that you know and i was very much looking for little fools cruelty and like dismissiveness about the woman when you're in the man's point of view but he actually kind of thinking about her in a way that's like very endearing and it turns out that he is 
Conrad's cousin. Oh, Conrad being her ex-fiance. Her ex-fiance. So and does he know who she is? He doesn't. Okay, so let me quickly establish. By head hopping, you just mean that, that Hero and Heroin both have a POV? Yes, yes. Um, and it's uh, not see, I, and delineated it's short, like, by chapter. Oh, interesting. See, mine are often not that way, but they are delineated usually by line. Yes. But... Uh, that's something you see in much later books. Usually in these early books, there is not a jump back and forth from the hero to heroine. I, I like that. I find that interesting. Yes, I I like it. And I think that um, it's one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised by because it made his behavior. I mean, obviously his behavior is very much a product of the mores of the time. It's a time uh-huh. I don't live in. It's a time I would not have been very successful living in. But I can at least understand him as a character yeah. a lot better than even some later books. Um, well, because usually you just have these guys who never say anything and act really bizarrely and then just proclaim their love out of nowhere. So Right. Conrad already has um, Elsa's replacement lined up, a woman named Gertrude. Um, <laughs> That's a sexy name. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so obvious, ham-fisted, that, like, Gertrude is just the one we're not supposed to like or feel bad for. So, um, uh, that old, that old uh, 1930s subtlety. Yes. Basically, what ends up happening is Elsa gets hired to care for Peter, the hero's aunt, in Wait, Switzerland. The, the hero's aunt is named Peter? The, the hero's aunt is named Mary. The hero oh. is named Peter. Oh, Peter. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. It is like, it, what, what I found fascinating about the plot of this book, and what, again, why I, I really was pleasantly surprised is that they kind of fall for each other. And yep. um, there's, you know, the aunt is wealthy and the aunt has a sister, Rachel, and Rachel wants her hands on the aunt's money and she doesn't like the idea of them getting married. It's like sort of parallel the conflict that she had with Conrad about money. Oh, right. Right. So you have that as a theme. And I mean, obviously they're not necessarily on equal footing, but it is a lot less. I would argue that I have read more problematic expressions of power dynamics in presents books from the 80s than in this book. So I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Did I like this book? I mean, it's fine. Am I going to read it again? (laughs) I mean, maybe, Uh, honestly, um, uh, I think it would be definitely interesting to compare this to some later books that that operate similarly. But what's interesting is that they're, they get engaged and the aunt Mary leaves Peter and Elsa money in her will separately. Oh. And they get married halfway through. Really? Yeah. And so interesting. The, the conflict is, I think, a lot of it is dealing with these other people and their machinations about dealing with money and like peter travels they they of course it's a typical like early harlequin where they're all over europe and 
what is interesting is that that like many of the other books though what a lot of it comes down to is communication right um there are a whole host of other side characters that come in and they're of course like the one note typical romance side character where it's like i'm the bitchy one well, I'm where you immediately know as soon as they enter the room, like they're holding a sign around their neck or something right. that tells you, like, yeah, yeah, like I'm the glowering butler who will eventually, like, <laughs> really warm to you. Yes. I'm the the flighty scullery maid who's gonna be your secret best friend. Like, yes, you yeah, know, it's like that. But again, what I what I found very interesting about this is that they have a fight towards the end of the book of course they do um conrad sure. shows back up with gertrude of course he does that's an, a Chekhov's gun we all knew was going to happen and he so can you after you finish this script in here can you just uh briefly tell me how they ended up together okay yeah i will so slowly over time i actually got a misprinted book so I am missing the top like line of a whole bunch of pages because my pages oh, no. were cut wrong. But she wasn't washing desperately. Yes, she was not washing desperately. Um, <laughs> he is like, it's a lot of that awkward, like they're having a conversation, but because they can't talk about sex, they're just having a weird conversation about dishes and we're a supposed to imply intimacy. Yeah. Um, they, they kind of fall in love and his other aunt Rachel is very disrespectful towards Elsa and Peter comes very vigorously to her defense which is actually really cute nice he it's like really kind of adorable and again this is all through the context of the 1930s like if a man spoke to me this way now I would like roll my eyes and laugh in his face yeah but in the 30s this is like pretty adorable his aunt like really wants them to get together and they this takes place over like a significant amount of time and they write about him coming and going to his aunt's place and spending more time with her and how she really starts to miss him and how um his aunt starts failing she really like leans on her medical understanding to kind of make her comfortable and it's like she's not allowed to be like fully competent because of course not but yeah, there sure. is like a greater degree of her being good at her. She's just good at her job. And so in the middle, they, after Aunt Mary passes away and they find out about the will, they are married. Oh, okay. And there are some, he, there are some business and there are some things that are. And does she continue being a nurse after they're married? She, she doesn't really they um they have some other other people that i don't know how to explain like conrad comes back pretty soon after their marriage he shows back up because he is now married this jet-setting woman gertrude and of course that's he is peter's cousin so there is actually like a good uh, reason for him to be there a reason for him to be there And of course, he realizes that Elsa is wealthy now and wants to get back with her. And of course, Peter sees it and thinks that she's encouraging him because, of course, they get into a fight and she writes him a letter, basically. Him being Conrad or him being Peter? She writes Peter a letter. Okay. And it's like, you know, whatever, I'm I'm out. 
Uh, and she goes back to work in the hospital in Glasgow, kind of where it all started. And it's actually, he comes to her, apologizes. Oh, nice. Um, he goes and he, we have both been lacking in understanding and it should never happen again. It will never happen again. He held it to him more closely. What is the first step in the future? Let me come with you to Paris. You know, it's an unsatisfactory life. I'm never home for more than two weeks at a time and he basically says you know okay i'm sorry what did he do again uh he travels all around doing business 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 okay so we don't know he's just a business man it is a lot of business 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 apparently of course like aunt rachel softens on elsa and everything ends up okay i just i i i went into this really expecting a lot of a, a lot more problems. I mean, there are times where Elsa and Peter, it's like you two could have had an eight second conversation and none of <laughs> this would have happened. But I feel like that is so often the conflict in romance. You know what oh, I yeah, mean? Yeah, the great uh, basis of all romance novels. Right. So a lot of things like that, I, I kind of let go because I actually thought that there were a lot of things in this book that had some real value to them. I think that she wasn't exactly forceful but she wasn't exactly like she didn't Uh, sort of like sit back and let the world happen to her yeah Uh, and i think he was pretty genuine uh for the most part considering everything and i i just i would give i would i would say this was a lot more enjoyable of a book at all than i was expecting i think if i were to give it like a rating i would give it like a solid b Oh yeah. Yeah, I would I would give it a solid B. I mean, I I think if you want like a sweet romance that is very much a product of its time and you know, it it very much is the fantasy, the international fantasy of like I'm an of course she's an orphan cuz she can't have any connection. She ends up wealthy sure. because of course she does. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it 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 sort of reads a lot like the kind of soap opera that we're used to. Yeah. That's good. That's interesting. It's uh, more of a, a future representation of uh, a novel at the time. Yeah, I, I, I like again, I was I was really impressed. I, I was really impressed that I mean, like I have seen this same almost exact same trajectory. You know, a lot of marriage of convenience books follow a very similar trajectory. I have seen this exact same trajectory handled much worse. Mm-hmm. in later books and I, I do like a marriage of convenience i'm a sucker it's for not, it's not of my number one trope but i do like them yeah and and i i uh don't normally love caregiver turned lover romances um especially but she's not his caregiver is she no but i i still like i still don't always love that oh it's my nanny i'm in love with them that oh yeah 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 gotcha it just isn't normally my thing. What is he, 12? <laughs> yeah. But it, it is, it, I, I would say if you are looking to take a step back in time to see some of the earliest iterations of the Harlequin method that we know and love, I, you know. Good. Well, it sounds good. Could do Mine was definitely not good. It was just awful, but uh, yours sounds good. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty good. I, I was surprised at, at the amount of agency 
that she was given. And I was surprised at the way that he was described. I mean, I think because he's so nice in the very beginning, it like changes the entire experience of reading the rest of the book because their meet cute is so normal. Which is interesting because a lot of early heroes are just awful, like right from the beginning. Yeah, he, I mean, he's like, yell, he yells out his window, which, I mean, I'm from the Boston area. I yeah, can't begrudge yes. anybody a little Yelling road rage. out the window is like a uh, time-honored tradition, so. Yeah, I mean, if he had been beating somebody up about a parking space in front of a Dunkin' Donuts, I wouldn't have batted an eye, honestly. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I like again, I, I was surprised. And I do think that that really set the tenor of the story for him to be like, what are you doing? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You're really upset. Like, hold on. You 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 need to let me get you help you get where you're going. Be, you know, chivalrous, which. So we yeah. know no matter like, you know, what he does in the future, at least we have an indication that he is a good guy empirically. So, right. And I, and know, I think nice. that that totally changes the way I read him as a reader. And I think because of that, I gave him and their relationship a, a, a much bigger free pass because you know, I was I like- I wonder, oh, sorry. I was like, no, like he's legitimately a caring person. I have seen him be very caring toward her. And I think when he saw her with his cousin- I think that it was a yes, it's like caveman style jealousy, and we could have had a two second conversation, but it also was like a lot more like vulnerability. And I'm like, okay, right. like I, I can and in read reality, this a people do get jealous. I mean, I've gotten jealous before. Yeah. As long as you don't react like a complete lunatic, then, yes. you know, it Absolutely. happens. I, I, I wonder how many of these early novels, you know, kind of get the feeling of the hero from gothic romance novels which were the really big romance novels for a really long time. Right. And always the nature of the hero is that you couldn't tell if he was the hero or the villain, right? I mean, did you read a lot of gothic romances? I did not actually. Oh, I love them. <laughs> that's my that's my jam. The the hero, you know, always is just this brooding, like darkly forbidding kind of person that you can never tell if he is a good or a bad guy until the end. And I'm wondering, because that was the dominant kind of romance for such a long time, if that might have had an influence on some of these early, you know, category romances. Probably. Where, you know, you have this guy who maybe is a jerk and maybe loves you. <laughs> it's just not right. okay. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just, you know, wondering if that early influence of gothic romances might have, you know, had some effect on it. I, I, I would think so. I also think that in this beginning stage, there is no category. So I think people are just sort of like assembling general themes around different yeah. things. And I definitely think that there is a... Because this was a heroine who had been engaged, I think that there was more space to have more, I, I don't want to say like adult because there are no adult themes explored. Sure, um, yeah. But I think to have like a more mature conversation, she's not like blushing, doe-eyed, right. like, convent escaping room uh sort of miss right and so i think that like that's a part of it i think it is like um it's like in uh when when we had been writing back when we were writing together they would put out the sort of contest blurb and it would say like 
she can only not be a virgin if she slept with the hero or oh. if she's a widow or divorced. And if she's divorced, it has to be because he, he was abusive. Yeah. He cheated on her, was a drug addict or stole all of her money. Yeah. You I, know, know, I, and, I don't remember that uh, contest, but wow. <laughs> oh, I remember it was when they, um for the presents line, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah very yeah presents cares a lot about virgins that's like a and half of their titles include the word virgin in it so yeah which i mean <laughs> i don't know yeah we could, you kind of get the feeling like that is what she's exchanging for the money and power that this hero has yeah and that there's a lot to unpack there yeah and yeah, I'm gonna leave it in the suitcase. yeah that, that's not we're not there yet so no <laughs> But yeah, I, I will say, listener, uh, if you happen to find run away from love and have an interest, well, I mean, if you're here, you have an interest. I, I would I would take a look at it. It's short. You know, there's a there's like a degree, some levels of ridiculousness that I, I won't spoil. But like, yeah. Uh, but other than that, it, it is uh, nowhere near as offensive as I was expecting. <laughs> yes. So that's a success in some of these early books. Yeah. Okay. So these were both nurse books. Yours sounds like it was pretty good for me. Um, I don't know. I think instead of doing this in terms of medical procedures, I'd rather be having than reading this nurse book is I think I'd rather have Jimmy do like, you know, questionably ethical uh, <laughs> injections on me. Than have right. I mean, listen, maybe he is, uh, maybe he is going to invent the epidural and you would be able to just breeze right through the whole book uh maybe <laughs> what's your happily right now um my happily right now um i actually so i am into gaming and tonight as of the day of recording i am starting a new game that is going to be streamed with a whole bunch of my friends and i'm really excited and we're actually going to have our session zero in about 45 minutes Ooh, that sounds fun what is the game uh, it is a game called Standing Stones, and it is a role-playing game, and we are going to play together. My friend uh, Marianne is telling the is going to be our storyteller, so I have no oh, sure. idea what to expect, but I'm very excited. Uh, and it's going to be nice. A lot of kids who are very into online role-playing games. Yeah, it's a ton of fun, um, and you know, it it is uh, it, it'll be a great time. What is your happily right now? I am not. Much of a TV watcher. Uh, it's not really a thing for me. I did used to watch TV in the 80s and 90s. And it, to me, it's not It's not a morality thing. To me, it feels like it's a lot of work. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I watch TV, it really feels like a chore. But uh, my 17-year-old daughter um, is very into television. That's, you know, one of her favorite things. So over the uh, course of this pandemic, I have been watching TV with her every night because that's what she really wants. So I've, I've We've been watching some things I've already watched and she's been making me watch some anime, which is kind of like pulling off fingernails for me. <laughs> she, she really enjoys it. So, you know, whatever. But uh, I actually have had her, I started her watching Veronica Mars. Yes! Which uh, is a series, of course, I've already seen, you know, early 2000s. And uh, my daughter is 17, so it's probably about when she was born that it came out. Yeah. But uh, is a great show and I'm really enjoying watching it. It's an old show, of course. I think most people have watched it, but it's kind of a funny thing this time because, you know, of course, Logan is is meant to be a, an attractive character. And, you know, upon watching it when I was younger, I thought he was attractive. Yep. And, and watching it now, also, I have this 
obviously I had a, a lot of adopted children from trauma backgrounds and you know, Logan's life is just awful. And I, I have this like driving urge to parent Logan. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's just awful. I have this like, you know, real, uh, <laughs> real, like I used to be attracted to this person and maybe kind of a little bit still am. And also I want to parent this person because he has terrible parents. <laughs> so yep. It's a, it's a very confusing sort of feeling, but yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's like when you're a teacher and like, you go back to watch something like I you know some of the shows when I was younger yeah when I was yes. like 12 or 13 that had like a 15 year old boy and it was like oh my god oh, he's yeah. 15 and now I look at him and I'm like nobody's making him do his homework who is I making know. Him? exactly it's exactly like that I'm like this kid needs help desperately he has no ability to regulate his emotions but all of these things you know then you look back at like how I used to feel about this character and it's just a, a very confusing dichotomy yep <laughs> but anyway we've been enjoying that so oh, i'm so glad oh it's awesome I, I i hope that you all enjoyed this take all the way back to the earliest days of harlequin romance i will tell you that as of right now unless uh something magical happens my next book is actually amber it is another one that i have a lot of good things to say about Wow. I am, my next one my next one's by the same author but so far it's just really boring. Yeah, my next one oh it is actually I'm looking at our list. It is an Elizabeth Hoy themed episode Amber. Oh, is yours Elizabeth Hoy too? Mine is. Mine is called Come Back My Dream and uh Mine is You Took My Heart. So Oh wow. I yeah. I I I have some good things to say about it that I also was not expecting but I don't think no. she's a bad writer. I just hated that book. It was insane. So yeah, but not, not insane in an enjoyable way because certainly things can be insane and enjoyable, but not that book. Right. Well, I look forward to us being able to talk about her together next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Categorically Insane. If you'd like to find us or see the covers of the books that we're reading, we are at categoricallyinsane at gmail.com categorically p as in pod on twitter at categorically insane one word on instagram and at categorically insane two words on facebook please follow us review us and share us to help us get off the ground as a brand new podcast thanks